A new year with a new Congress and a new president set to take office. We'll have the latest from our Washington bureau and talk with Congressman Andre Carson. Plus, a new session at the State House with lawmakers dealing with the impact of the pandemic. We'll hear from legislative leaders and Purdue University president and former Indiana Governor Mitch Daniels. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. More mixed news on the coronavirus. We're seeing great images like these as central Indiana begins to vaccinate residents at long-term care facilities while health officials continue to worry about a post-Christmas spike in coronavirus cases. We'll see how the numbers play out. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. In the meantime, it was a busy holiday week in Congress as the nation continues to deal with the impact of this ongoing pandemic. The president finally signed the coronavirus relief bill into law, avoiding a government shutdown. This after saying he wanted a significant increase in the amount of stimulus money being sent to Americans. Democrats like Andre Carson also wanted to see a bigger check, but said the president's tactics, in his view, were nothing but a stunt. I think that uh, he should have been bold enough in pressing his Republican colleagues to do what is right in this regard. But, you know, he wants to make a statement and a splash on his way out. Unfortunately, the American people left to suffer because of his poor choices. In a statement, Senator Mike Braun said, I want to thank President Trump for signing the relief bill much needed by Main Street small businesses and their employees across the country. He also said he supports the president's veto of the defense bill and his call for Congress to address what he called wasteful spending in the omnibus spending bill. Senate Republicans rejecting that additional stimulus money. In the meantime, control of the Senate comes down to two runoff elections Tuesday in Georgia. If Democrats can pull an upset in both of those races, the Senate at 50-50 would essentially be under Democratic control. Also this coming week, the new Congress will meet to officially tally the votes from the Electoral College. But will some Republicans try again at another last-minute effort to somehow overturn the results? Kelly Meyer has more from our Washington Bureau. We plan to continue fighting all the way. Republican Congressman Jody Heiss and Ralph Norman say they will lead a last-ditch effort to keep President Trump in the White House. Everything's on the table. Everything includes a tactic that's been rarely used in the history of our nation, a congressional challenge to a state's electoral college vote. Normally, they just accept the votes. We have a new president and a vice president and move on. But Arizona State University professor John Gould says the Constitution allows Congress to intervene. We want it big. Egged on by President Trump, a number of Republican House members will try to throw out swing states' electoral votes when Vice President Mike Pence presides over the certification on January 6th. There is an option for members of the House and the Senate to object. Alan Lichtman of American University says at least one member of the House and one member of the Senate must object in writing. If that happens, the House and Senate would take two hours to consider the objection, and both the House and Senate would have to agree to throw out the electoral votes. This is a lose-lose proposition for Republicans in the Senate. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has already congratulated President-elect Joe Biden and has asked Republican senators not to challenge the results. And any challenge will certainly fail in the Democratic Majority House. There are no other options. Lichtman says, though it may take some theatrics and a few extra hours, Joe Biden will become the next president of the United States. Reporting in Washington, I'm Kelly Meyer. 
Kelly, thanks. We'll be watching that closely on Wednesday. We're also keeping an eye on the State House, where state lawmakers are scheduled to convene for the start of this year's legislative session. But that process will look a lot different in the midst of this pandemic. And as Kayla Sullivan explains, that has some advocacy groups concerned. This coming session includes hot-button topics like the pandemic, Indiana's budget, redistricting, and justice reform. The issues for this session, you know, may be more consequential uh, than at any time in our in our recent history, at the same time as it may be more challenging for the public to be present and be a part of those conversations. Lawmakers have made some changes so Hoosiers can be involved, like allowing virtual testimony from another room at the State House. Still, more than 40 Hoosier organizations agree they need to do more. This year, we know things are going to be challenging. Especially when so many Hoosiers are working from home, quarantining because they were exposed or at high risk for COVID-19, e-learning with their children, or like me, unable to find childcare due to the pandemic. We need to try to create other mechanisms. Things like allowing testimony from home or allowing pre-recorded or written testimony. Also, online sign-up sheets with windows of time in which testimony will occur so people don't have to wait hours. Everything that we are asking for is realistic. The world of Zoom has showed us that it is possible to do this. It's unclear whether these demands will be met in 2021. House Speaker Todd Houston sent a statement saying in part, we will maintain the same level of transparency and openness as in prior sessions. Senate President Pro Tem Roderick Bray said they will accept written and on-site testimony. Also, committee and session meetings will be live-streamed online, but the public can't interact with it from home at this point. These organizations plan to keep fighting and hope the public joins. Reach out to your legislators. Let them know what your personal circumstances are and why engaging in the legislative process this year might be challenging for you. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. All right, as Kayla mentioned, this year lawmakers will have to craft a new two-year state budget. There's also a bill that could potentially limit some of the governor's emergency powers. We're also expected to hear more about liability protections for businesses concerned about lawsuits related to the virus. And another big issue that could have an impact on the budget, a proposed cigarette tax, which is another topic Kayla Sullivan looked into ahead of this year's session. This pandemic has made the health of Hoosiers top of mind for lawmakers, and that's why they're considering a tobacco tax increase. But they don't want the money to go just anywhere. The pandemic has taught us that a poor quality of health has a, uh, unfortunately, a dire consequence. That's why Indiana's legislative leadership agrees tobacco tax revenue shouldn't just go to the general fund. I'd like to really see some concrete programs that we're going to that we're going to use uh, the money for to uh, improve the health of Hoosiers. We want to be very thoughtful in, in what we decide or how we decide that money will be spent on the front end, not raise the tax and then try and figure out how that'll be spent because it's a, it's a decreasing revenue stream without a doubt. It's decreasing because the goal is to get people to quit using tobacco products. Still, the Indiana Chamber of Commerce estimates its proposal of raising the tobacco product tax by about $2 would bring in more than $400 million per year. It also saves Hoosier companies money. Tobacco use in Indiana cost Indiana employers $6.2 billion in higher healthcare costs, absenteeism, and lost productivity. However, that's not the main reason the chamber says it supports this measure. Our focus at the chamber is on improving the healthiness of our citizenry by reducing the smoking rate, which is the number one 
cause of preventable disease. And data in other states show a tobacco tax increase decreases smoking rates. This year is the prime year to do it. Um, our, our rank on smoking is only getting worse. All right, Kayla, thanks. Education issues will also be front and center in this year's session. K through 12 schools and colleges and universities all wondering about that all-important state budget. Recently, Kayla spoke with Purdue University president and former Indiana governor Mitch Daniels. Is there anything you're asking Indiana lawmakers to do as they consider this budget coming up? You know, uh, we try to be really good citizens at Purdue. We never complain. We, we, we're getting no more money from the state than we were eight years ago. That's, that has been, you know, a problem to solve, not part of the solution. But uh, if anybody is sympathetic with the challenges our uh, lawmakers have and our governor in, in trying to keep Indiana a state of growth and a state where uh, we, we do leave uh, as many dollars in the pockets of those who earned them as we can, yeah, it, it's me. So uh, we always say we will live uh, gratefully with whatever they believe they can invest in Purdue and we'll take care of the rest. We, we just want them to try to maintain this as a state that uh, uh, with, a, with a healthy economy and, and a place where we can all thrive long term. Now, what about COVID-19 liability? Uh, that, that's something that they're really looking at statewide and, and nationally. They should. I really, uh, there, there is no reason in the world why uh, certainly schools, uh, our K-12 schools, universities like this one, but really businesses of other kinds, we're all faced with this crisis. Everybody's doing their best. It would be shameful to unleash, you know, uh, predatory trial lawyers uh, on, on uh, entities that have uh, had enough on their hands as it is and struggled uh, doing their best uh, under a situation nobody saw coming and we're still learning how to deal with. Let's talk a little bit about the vaccination plan for Purdue. Um, what is the plan at this point? And um, do you have plans to have vaccination sites in place? How far along are you in that process? We're not very far and we, and we really can't be in the state until the state uh, makes its decisions. Uh, but we, uh, of course, will be ready uh, as a vaccine is made available to us through our county and uh, we will follow whatever guidelines and, and order of, of priority uh, is, is suggested. But uh, uh, we believe uh, that we are as ready as uh, probably uh, an entity our size could be. We stood up a Protect Purdue Health Center from scratch with over 100 people in it, 35 contact tracers uh, here, for instance. And that, that apparatus uh, is up and running, knows what it's doing. And so when uh, when the time comes, our pharmacy students, our nursing students can help. We think we can uh, use the vaccine as soon as it's uh, uh, made available to us. It's a scientific miracle, and it's a, it's a sign of how fast uh, the life sciences have uh, uh, progressed, much of that right here in our state. Second, it shows that when you're flexible about the rule book, all the ways government gets in the way and uh, historically of uh, new products, whether they're um, vaccines or other products coming to market. Uh, let's, let's learn some lessons from that and be, more, be quicker about it in the, in the future. So uh, uh, I, I think there's a lot to be grateful for here, uh, but the, uh, the, uh, the, we should all feel enormously proud of the uh, industry people. This is a private sector achievement, and uh, we, wanna, we ought to protect the, 
the system which has uh, allowed uh, talents like that and uh, to develop. What about the uh, transition to the Biden-Harris administration? Do you have any concerns moving forward as the president of Purdue? Um, are you asking for anything federally to this new administration that you were getting before that you're afraid you might lose? No, we're not asking for anything. Much like the state, we'll, we'll be, uh, uh, of course, appreciative of any uh, support that, that is there, financial or otherwise. Uh, I, I hope that they will not impose or maybe reimpose some of the red tape and, uh, and mandates that uh, have sometimes been a part of federal uh, policy. Uh, they've taken a fairly uh, bullying attitude in some past years about that. And, and uh, so it would, it would be nice not to have to uh, deal with those burdens again. But no, we wish them well and, uh, and uh, really hope for a, a year, let's hope, of a recovery from the virus. And I hope a little bit of recovery of our goodwill uh, toward each other uh, as, uh, as Americans who may differ on, on many topics, but you know, do have, we do share a common destiny. Former Governor Mitch Daniels there. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk with our panel about the upcoming transition and what they're expecting from the new year, plus expanding broadband coverage across Indiana. Another issue state lawmakers are looking to tackle in the new year. We'll take a closer look at what it could mean for you. Welcome back as we enter this new year and a new administration and new Congress set to take office. We're joined now by our panel to talk about what to expect in the year ahead. Robin Winston, Mike Murphy, Jennifer Wagner and Tony Samuel. Let's start with Robin Winston, who is former state party chairman for the Indiana Democrats. Robin, we've got the Senate runoff elections this coming week in Georgia. Congress also convenes tomorrow. The Electoral College will be certified. And in just a couple of weeks, President-elect Joe Biden taking office. What are you looking forward to? What are you expecting here in the year ahead, 2021? Well, I think there's going to be a lot of activity. Obviously, Georgia is going to be on everybody's mind uh, until the election's over with. That's a runoff January 5th. Uh, we're going to be able to seat the electors and have their approved by uh, a joint session of Congress. Already Mitch McConnell was telling Republican senators, don't go astray, let this process work itself out. And in a few weeks, we're going to have a new president being sworn in um, at an inaugural in Washington, D.C. I just think it's a time for optimism. But the most important optimism is that we're moving ahead on resolving whatever issues remain on COVID-19, moving the vaccine out to as many Americans as possible. That's positive news, a lot more positive news than we've had in months. Obviously, the vaccines are, are a very big part of that. Tony, I'll turn to you next. Uh, what will we see in 2021 from, from President Trump, do you think, uh, as he now from the outside looking in, perhaps uh, mounts a, a campaign to run again a few years from now? What, what do you think this year will look like across the aisle? Well, if Joe Biden is inaugurated, you'll see President Trump still leading this Republican Party. He is the leader. And I, I don't know whether he'll uh, look to run again in 2024, but he'll certainly be uh, the major influence in the Republican Party. For me, looking at a Joe Biden administration, I worry about the same, uh, the same that we saw when he was vice president under Obama, tax increases, uh, regulations, more of them a, a, a cut to military spending. President Trump spent so much time building up the military and, and the economy. And, and uh, I, I'm fearful that the radical agenda, the globalist agenda that you'll see from uh, a President Biden, uh, based on who he's picked, folks from the old administration and, and, and folks that are very radical, uh, that worries me uh, a great deal. Jennifer, you may have heard uh, Tony say just there, if 
Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th. Do you think there's really uh, hope from some in Congress that they can do something on the floor of the House or Senate to change that? And how uh, wild is it that that, that scenario is, is even something that's being discussed? Yeah, I mean, hope springs eternal, I suppose, when you don't have anything else to cling to. But uh, I have no doubt that Joe Biden is going to be inaugurated and will be our next president. And I think you're going to see a remarkably stable administration. I know Tony likes to stir the pot of fear, but I think you're going to see a lot of stability, a lot of collaboration, um, a lot of deliberate governing, which is something we've sorely missed over these last four years. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of that because we have to come together. We have, you know, as Robin said, we've got some big issues we have to tackle. We are still in the midst of a pandemic. We've got to get folks vaccinated. We need to make sure our economy doesn't suffer. Um, all, at the same time, I'll go ahead and, you know, head Mike off at the pass and say, you know, we, we have a pretty big national debt. Uh, and I know there's going to be some folks who are very concerned about adding to that. So there's a lot of work to be done, but I think we can all be optimistic that it's going to be done and it's not going to be erratic. Mike, what are you hoping to see from, uh, from your party, from Republicans uh, in this post-Trump era? Well, first of all, 2021 is going to be a great year because millions of Hoosiers are going to be vaccinated against the virus, which right. is great. It's going to be a shot in the arm, literally, but it's also going to be a shot in the arm figuratively for our schools, our family relationships, and for our great economy here in the state of Indiana. In the state of Indiana, as far as the legislature goes, really only three things matter. The governor's investment in public health, which I hope will be substantial. The uh, redistricting, which will dictate the Republican-Democratic balance in the General Assembly once again for 10 more years. And the third is the budget. And there's no doubt the state needs more money. Whenever the state needs more money, every time they turn to gambling. And so you'll see the gambling industry either arguing for more uh, expansion of gambling or less taxation. And the legislature, if they do act, will claim it's not an expansion on gambling so they can all go to church on Sunday. Remember, 2021 is the year of the ox in China. There's going to be a <laughs> lot of bullheadedness here in the state of Indiana and around the world. Expect a last-minute ditch effort by the Trump administration to overturn the Electoral College. A week or so ago, they considered uh, declaring mar martial law. There's no end to what they'll do. Of course, uh, January 6th, later this week, is the day the Electoral College is certified in, in Congress. Uh, Robin, let's talk a little bit more about the State House. Mike mentioned the legislature scheduled to convene this week. Obviously, COVID-19 can always uh, play havoc on schedules. We'll see how things uh, go for the General Assembly in terms of just the process of bringing legislators together. But in terms of policy, in terms of that state budget, what are you expecting? What are you looking forward to seeing here in the year ahead? Well, I hope that I don't see any cuts to public education. Um, it's still a priority. We see the benefits of it by the advances made in medicine with COVID-19 vaccines. We cannot afford to back away from STEM education, back away from anything that will prepare us for the global economy. Education is a big part of our state budget. I hope that it does not get tampered with. And I hope that we will make the investments necessary to help our schools recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. Tony, what do you want to see uh, this coming year from state lawmakers? Well, I think the governor and, and uh, the governor's laid out priorities to restore and hopefully even increase K through 12 uh, funding and, and higher ed. Uh, so you'll see the legislature and the governor work, uh, I think, uh, well on that. You will see um, some uh, COVID uh, issues with uh, liability protection that could get yeah. contention. Uh, and then, of course, there's gerrymandering and the budget. You'll, you'll also see a lot of energy bills. So keep an eye on those. 
Jennifer, you get the last word here. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to say what Tony just said. I think as we're talking about all these other big issues, um, there's going to be some focus on the future of our state with respect to energy policy and what that looks like uh, and where we, we head from here. Um, I think the governor's laid out a very cautious agenda, knowing the situation that we're in. So I wouldn't expect to see any big, bold moves, but I think there will be a discussion about the future of, uh, of our state. Jennifer, Mike, Robin, Tony, Happy New Year to you all. Thank you so much for being with us. Stick around. We're back with more In Focus right after this. Well, the pandemic is exposing some major gaps in Indiana's Internet access, and state lawmakers are hoping to help with that in the coming session. Once again, here's State House reporter Kayla Sullivan. We're at a point where broadband service is really an essential service. Now, more than ever, people are working, learning, or even getting their health care through the Internet. That was a trend that was already there, but the pandemic has just accelerated this and many other trends that were going on. Expanding broadband to all areas of the state is one of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce priorities for 2021, and lawmakers are drafting legislation to make it happen. I've been working on it weekly for about two months now. So there, there's a lot of complexities to it. COVID-19 has tightened Indiana's budget, but money will be necessary to convince Internet providers to invest in less populated parts of the state. They just need a kind of a down payment, that initial investment to then get the return on the investment down to a more reasonable time frame. Some incentives require the removal of barriers. We need to streamline local permitting processes. There's some local zoning regulations that we can take a look at that are barriers now to deploying more broadband. Then once the broadband is built. We have to encourage adoption. They say it won't be cheap or easy, but it is necessary for Indiana to remain competitive and survive the pandemic. A draft of this bill is expected soon. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. All right, stick around. We'll be right back after this. Big day of football on CBS Sports. The Colts Blue Zone after Face the Nation, then the Browns and Steelers, followed by the Colts and Jaguars. Fox 59 is the Giants and Cowboys, then the Bears and the Packers. That'll do it for us this week. Much more ahead on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.